Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Self-Control Through Torah. I'm David Gottlieb, a historian of Judaism and the director of Jewish studies at the Spurtis Institute for Jewish Learning and Leadership in Chicago. And I'm Modia Silva in Toronto, Canada, and I'm a psychotherapist and an author. Did you have to say Canada because you didn't think we'd know where Toronto was? Absolutely. I don't think <laughs> for granted. So for those of you who have joined us previously, thanks you for joining again. For those of you who haven't, uh, Modia and I are embarked on a project of looking at the weekly Torah portion through the lens of Musar, the Jewish discipline of ethical self-improvement, using as our guide Rabbi Menachem Mendel Leffen's Cheshbon Hanefesh, a pioneering work in the in the discipline of Musar. So uh, every four weeks, we focus on one midah or character trait, and we look at the Torah portion through that trait. And after four weeks, we move on to the next trait. We are currently on the trait of patience, and we are currently exploring that through the lens of this week's Torah portion, which is Vayetze in the book of Genesis. Um, Moja, uh, there's so much richness, narrative richness in these parshiot in the book of Breshit that it's almost hard to know where to begin. Uh, and of course, the main character in this portion, one could say, uh, is the character of the patriarch Jacob. But uh, Jacob does things, not only in this parsha but in others, that causes the rabbis to speak more negatively, more disparagingly about him than they do almost any other patriarch or matriarch, I think. And so I'm interested to open this discussion with just an exploration of uh, when we're thinking about patience uh, and we're reading Vayetze, Jacob is a problematic character. I, I wouldn't say uh, on one level he's extraordinarily patient because here he works seven years to gain Rachel in matrimony. On his wedding night, he is tricked by his uncle Laban and he winds up marrying Rachel's older sister Leah. And then he agrees to work another seven years to win Rachel's hand. So on one level, uh, uh, he's extraordinarily patient. On the other hand, he is guilty of deceit in the way that he has dealt with Esav. And he uh, practices deceit in other ways. And so in some ways, his patience really seems almost like a form of karma. I'm going to propose, and I would like to know what you think, that the person in this parsha, who is really a paradigm of patience, is Jacob's unloved wife, Leah. That is where my remarks and my thinking has been is going to be focused in our talk this morning. But I want to know what your take on the midah of patience with respect to Parshat Vayetze is. Wow. Okay, I'm very excited to hear what you have to say about Leah. Because it's true, she's for me. She's like a, a sideshow in this parsha, and right that, that we hear about Jacob, we hear about Rachel, about the love that they have between the two of them, and Leah, who has what she has six of the twelve sons, 
She gives birth to half of the 12 tribes of Israel, and yet she doesn't get much. She gets short shrift. Um, I don't know. For me, it goes back before this story of him, of Jacob going out to find his wives to the beginning, <clears throat> excuse me, the beginning of the Parsha, where he goes to sleep in a place where it seems like a lot of people would pause and sleep. And then he has this dream with the ladder and the angels going up and going down. And so there is a line in chapter 28, verse 16, after he's had the dream, it says, Vayikatz Yaakov Mishnato. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Achin, surely, Yesh Hashem Bamakom Hazer. The Lord is in this place. God is in this place. And I didn't know it. And I thought about that. And I thought, well, you know, we often talk in Musar about development of our own character traits. And we don't talk that much about the role of the divine, the role of God in that. And so I want to suggest in, in answer to your question, that the theme of this Pasha is actually about where God plays in your life relative to the degree of patience that you have. Because he says, or it says, surely God was in this place. So it's bringing God into the equation. And, and then it says, I did not know. So there's an ego that got in the way of Jacob seeing that the divine was there. And I wonder there's a kind of an open question that if we actually saw the divine more in our lives, would we have more patience? Does that, or does that mean to suggest that Jacob's dream is not site specific? It's more about a disposition <clears throat> and an openness and less about, he happens to be in the place that is the aperture to the divine realm because the, because the dream is, uh, seems in many ways keyed to that specific location. And in fact, he names it Betel. This is the house of God. Right. right, right, absolutely. And Rashi also comments that this is a regular place that people used to rest at. So it, I think in the Torah, it is site-specific, but perhaps for us to, today, <clears throat> um, it's more metaphorical that um, earlier, a few sentences before that, it says... And he dreamed, and it's talking about Jacob. He fell asleep. He took a stone, put it under his head as a pillow. <clears throat> and then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder. Mutsav Artsa. It was set on the earth. And there's a teaching that suggests that it wasn't that there was this ladder rooted in the earth that then went up to heaven, but it was actually a ladder that started in heaven and then came down to earth. And so it was resting on the earth. So and this is why the angels are going down and up rather than up and down. They, no, I think the other way. They're going up. Oh, you're right. They're going up and down, aren't they? Right. Yeah. But I think what it's saying is that we are so egocentric that we think we're the center of the universe. And normally the ladder would be start with us and then it would go up to heaven. But in fact, the teaching is no, no, no. The center of the universe is the divine so the ladder starts above and comes down to us. But if Jacob has this openness, this egoless awareness of the divine, 
then why does he immediately thereafter make a conditional vow? This is Genesis 28, verse 20. Jacob then made a vow saying, if God remains with me, if he protects me on this journey that I'm making and gives me bread to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safe to my father's house, the Lord shall be my God. Uh, the rabbis take him to task for this. Hey, buddy, uh, you were just shown an aperture to heaven. You just heard God say that he was going to be with you in all that you did. And yet your vow is conditional. What say you to uh, that? Well, I think I, I love Jake. I think Jacob is my man because, because he's Jacob and he's Israel, right? He's Yaakov and he's Yisrael. And I think he's a split personality. And sometimes he sits, he dwells in this notion that he's living in a God conscious world. And sometimes he flips over and lives in an ego conscious world. I think that makes him, you know, an in-betweener, like not a sad. Like most of us. Like, like almost all of us, right? Not a tzaddik, not a righteous person, and not a rasha, like a wicked mm -hmm. person, but mm -hmm. everything in between. And that's why I like that he struggles, because that's my struggle too. Uh-huh. I don't think of you as a deceitful person, but maybe you're so good at it, I haven't noticed. <laughs> so, I'm not answering that. <laughs> so... um you know, focusing back on the midah of patience, I wonder, do you think that Jacob working for Lavan for 14 years to win, finally win the hand of the woman he truly loves, uh, is that a form of patience? Does that counsel us to live through the tough times, to do what is required of us, to honor our commitments? Or is there... It, it, or is there something else going on? In your view, is this a, is Jacob a model for patience is my question. Right, right. So <clears throat> this is where I have to say yes, because I just want to find it. Chapter 29, verse 20, it says, And Jacob served for Rachel seven years, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. And there was a comment that I read somewhere that said, love bestows superhuman patience in the mind of the lover that's beautiful yeah and so i was thinking it's like okay every time we work on a an amida on a character strength what are the like what are the contributors to building that so one you know we say patience but then we find that well love according to this now love is a precursor to that to developing patience yeah i want Maybe it's a bit too soon, but I want to throw something else out as well. Please Can do. I, yeah. Um, the altar of Kelm, who was the founder of one of the three main schools of Musar, along with the school of Slobodka and Navardak, um, said, patience is the root of all positive midat, all positive character traits, and developed character. And then he says, take time, be exact, unclutter the mind. So he's also, in addition to love, he's giving us three things to do to develop patience. Take time, be exact, and unclutter the mind. This is uh, very similar to the sort of triad that I think you and I have discussed before of patience, order, and calm, right? Uh, yeah. it, is, it is suggesting that there is a process 
that patience is part of. And the quote that you just shared is a beautiful, almost mantra of how to undergird patience with the kinds of traits and habits that will reinforce it. Right, right. I I agree. And then I think it becomes more practical for us. So for example, I was rushing home just now after dropping my kids at school, knowing that we had this podcast to record. And then I started to think, it's like, oh, there's so much traffic. Oh, it's going to take me longer. Right. And that's a cluttered mind. Right. Right. My cluttered mind isn't going to remove all the traffic off the street. Right. So, so I need to unclutter my mind and then I'll, and then I'll calm down because I'll just get to this recording when I get to it. And that is a perfect example. Your, your frustration with the traffic is a perfect example of what uh, Menachem Mendel Leffen refers to as wasted grief. He calls impatience wasted grief, which is a beautiful description of um, uh, anger and frustration over a situation that you can't control. The crucial thing about patience is its ability to influence and undergird our capacity to deal with situations we we cannot control. And that is brings me anyway, to the character of Leah. And I'm drawing here from uh, a commentary uh, that Shai Held gives about Leah. And he says that she is a character that literally brings tears to our eyes. I just want to read a little bit of what he says. This is from volume one of his two-volume commentary called uh, The Heart of Torah. This is Rabbi Shai Held, and uh, this is what he says. Perhaps we have sympathy for Jacob and perhaps also for Rachel, lovers unjustly kept apart by a father's machinations. But what of poor Leah, so undesired and likely feeling so utterly undesirable? I'm going to pause in my reading of his commentary to say that Leah is described as having weak eyes. It doesn't, it's a very interesting description, which seems to me not that she can't see well. It means that she's weak on the eyes, that she is not beautiful or comely or attractive, and also that she has problems properly perceiving people. He goes on, Jacob is now married to two sisters. The text makes no secret of his preferences, and neither ostensibly does he. Uh, Genesis 29.30 simply tells us that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. And then Shai Held, Rabbi Held, goes through a description of the names that Leah bestows on the sons that she has with Jacob. And uh, she names her first son Rubain, meaning the Lord has seen my affliction. And it also means, according to Genesis, now my husband will love me. And Shai Held says one can almost feel Leah's plaintive wish. Maybe now that my I have given my husband a son. He'll love me. But of course he doesn't. She has a second son, names him Shimon. This is because the Lord has heard, Shama, that I was unloved. But nothing changes. And then Leah soon bears a third son, Levi, meaning this time my husband will become attached to me. Shiheld says, notice that when her first son was born, she had the temerity to hope that his arrival would elicit Jacob's love. By the time the third son is born, it seems she would settle for her husband's attachment to her. He says, by this point, the reader is ready to cry for her. 
What ensues predictably is more of the same. Jacob is absent and Leah remains forsaken. So Scheihold is taking us through uh, what Leah's uh, experiencing through what she names her son. And then a change happens. With the fourth son, she conceived again and bore a son and declared, this time I will praise O'Day, the Lord. Therefore, she named him Yehuda. Shaihelt says, what has happened here? How does a woman mired in such, such deep misery, languishing in ex such excruciating lovelessness, suddenly do a total about face and express gratitude rather than longing? Leah, Shaihelt says, has somehow found the courage to accept that her life is not going to turn out as she had hoped. Now, to me, that is a large lesson in gratitude, but it also shows us something crucial about the um, the process that one goes through to get to patience, and that is an acceptance of things as they are rather than things as they wish we would be. Moja, this is exactly what you were talking about uh, as you sat in the traffic jam racing to get home to record this podcast because I made you do it an hour earlier than usual. Selfish, selfish me. Um, it suggests that there is an, that patience, which we haven't defined, by the way, you and me, that patience is an, is founded in an acceptance of things as they are. And to me, Rabbi Held is right. Leah in this portion is the model of that attribute. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's great. I think <clears throat> that's sort of the path that I take my clients, my therapy clients down is that they have parts of themselves that they dislike. They have parts of themselves that they uh, disown. And, <clears throat> and in Leia's case, it's with her weak eyes, her weak eyes, Rashi says that she was afraid that she was going to be married off to Asaph. Well, to the, to the children of Asaph. But whatever, which is because, oh, because I'm undesirable. I'm not good enough for, you know, the good, the good one for Jacob. So, <clears throat> so the, the path is that is firstly recognize that you have this disowned part or this undesirable part, and then wrap a blanket of love and compassion around it because it's part of you. And maybe that was her process through three children and then Yehuda comes around, and by then she's actually done her tikkun, like she's done the fixing of herself, come to accept her undesirability, and now she can step into gratitude. You've you've made a crucial point here, I think, which is uh, comes to us by virtue of your training and experience as a therapist, and that is that patience requires tikkun of the self. It is an ultimate acceptance. And a turning of focus away from circumstances and trying to manipulate and control circumstances to understanding and embracing the whole self. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to, I like that. I want to jump ahead as well, not to this Parsha, but the next son after the fourth, after Yehuda, is Issachar. And, um, and there's a whole long discussion about why he got that name, but it, essentially it was to do with wages and dowry and like money. But what's interesting for me is when you jump ahead to chapter 49, verse 15, when Yaakov, Jacob, is giving all the blessings to each of the 12 sons, or 11 sons, and then um, Joseph's two, two sons, right? <clears throat> that when it comes to Issachar, 
it says he bowed his shoulder to bear. And it means that he was willing to bear anything for tranquility. And when you just said we haven't defined patience, we say savlanut, patience, is bearing the burden. So can I bear the burden of, of my undesirability would be Leia's question. Right. And then, right. And here it's like, if you're willing to bear the burden, then you'll achieve tranquility. Wow. So it's not about uh, ways to get rid of the burden. It's about ways to put your shoulder up under it. Right. Right. And maybe that's why last month when we looked at equanimity, it did say that patience was one of the requirements to achieve equanimity. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and uh, would you say then that gratitude is one of the midot that's necessary for patience? It seems so, right? From what you just read from Rabbi Held. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, and here's the flip side of Jacob, uh, of the wonderful uh, passage you read that said that, you know, Jacob, the time passed and it was like a few days to Jacob because of his love for Rachel. But the flip side of that is that when Pharaoh says, when he meets Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, how old are you basically? And Jacob says, few and hard have been the years of my life. Uh, the flip side is time seems to fly by for Jacob, no matter what is happening. And gratitude seems to be the element that is missing uh, for him to be able to be patient. Um, the, some of the rabbinic commentary on his name suggests not only that Yaakov comes from Akev, that he's holding on to Esau's heel, that, is he come, that he comes out, because, but that it also suggests Akav or crooked. He's crooked. He's deceitful. Uh -huh. And if you are deceitful, if you have that aspect within you, you are looking for shortcuts to achieve exactly what you want. Uh, we could argue this all day. And I, and I, uh, uh, I think we've, we've both sort of made our points for today. For me, I am haunted by and grateful for the character of Leah, who suggests that a fundamental attribute of patience is really accepting who we are and what our lot in life is. It doesn't mean that we don't want to change the things that can be better. It means we live fully where we are and not in some fantasy world. Right. And then maybe, maybe adding Rachel into the mix, Rachel complains and she really wants that kid, her first child. And she doesn't give up. She continues to request it. And then she gets it. So That's maybe, right. there, maybe there is this balance of, holding bearing the burden holding on to your holding on your shoulder the weight and at the same time putting in your effort the hishtag loot that you have to keep trying in this physical world to get what you want so it's not patience doesn't mean just giving up and accepting your lot in life right 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 Rebmodia, that is a beautiful co comment for us to end on i think it's a wonderful insight i will go through the rest of the day trying to accept my lot in life. And if I can't do it, I'm going to call you and yell at you. <laughs> okay. And I will continue to be deceitful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we want to thank you all again for listening to another episode of Self-Control Through Torah. I'm David Gottlieb. And I'm Modia Silva. We'll thank see you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye.